This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today I sat down and talked to John Kosky. John is the founder and was the original owner of AirCare, a heating, plumbing, and air conditioning company here in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, he owned that and ran that for many years, uh, ran a su- successful place, eventually handed it on to his son, Jeff. Uh, but I got to hear about how he started that, what that looked like, how he started it at a young age with a little kid at home, another little kid on the way, and got to hear about some of the you know, just the inexperienced adventures that were pretty funny that he had to go through to get to where he is today. Uh, so I really enjoy this one. I hope you guys do as well. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. John, thanks for coming in today. Okay, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you about your history with air care, plumbing, and all that kind of stuff, but let's go back before then. Where You grew up in? Kewna Bay. In Kewna Bay? Yeah, I went okay. to Kewna Bay School uh, to, uh, through the uh, sixth grade, and then we went to Berga. Okay. Graduate from Berga High School. Okay. So again, I brought you on to talk about the plumbing and the air care side of things, but can you bring me your life till that point? You grew up in Cuna Bay. Right. What brought you to that point? Well, it was kind of interesting. I thought that when, you know, being a senior in high school and you, you really have no idea what you want to do, you know, but we had a, a student counselor. He, he put, brought everybody in there and said, well, what are you going to do? You know, you know, and I'm like, oh, whatever, you know, you just kind of shed your, raise your shoulders up. And, and he said, well, what are your interests? I said, well, girls and cars. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, he, I said, well, I wasn't tech material. I just wasn't a good student. So I'd, uh, well, he picked out a, a catalog on Ferris State College. And he said, you know, so I kind of signed up for a body to be a body mechanic, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, when I, I always remember when we were in the barn, and I told my mom and dad that I'm going to go to college, and they're like, they almost shook shook their head, you know. And, wow. And and I said I'll be a body mechanic, and he said, I always had a skin problem almost. And they said they checked with the doctor, and the doctor said that's that's a bad thing with the with the paints and all that. So. So now I'm walking down the hall in Berger High School, and uh, he said, well, you all set to go to Ferris? And being a smart smart guy, I kind of said, well, uh, no, doctor's orders. Yeah. <laughs> so he said right away, he said, come on in my office, you know. So we opened up the book again, and he said, how about heavy equipment? And I said, no, I like diesel mechanic. And how about photography? He said, no. Finally, he came up to... <clears throat> Plumbing, heating, or actually air conditioning, heating and air conditioning. And now he said, he stopped a minute and he said, now President Kennedy wants to get to the moon and they need guys at Cape Canaveral to keep the missiles cool. And I said, wow. I said, sign me up. You know, I just, well, anyhow, when you get done with Ferris, I mean, there's no, uh, the Cape isn't calling, you know? Yeah. 
So I went to work for American Standard for four years, and that was good training in Dearborn and Columbus, Ohio. And when I got done with that, oh, I actually wanted to get back in the UP. I had enough city. Okay. And when I got back, well, I um, got a job at UP Power, and I worked. I was worked at American Standard about four years, a little over four, and then American uh, UP Power a little more than four years. And I didn't like it. I just kind of trying to sell electric heat and stuff. So I always wanted to kind of mess around with, uh, you know, heating or whatever it is, which I was trained for. And I, I couldn't get a job. I asked all kinds of these. And I suppose because I had a suit on and all that, they figured, how, how are you going to work out, you know? Yeah. So anyhow, I, uh, me and this other guy, we started thinking about it. And I said, we've got to have something to do with air. You know, everybody's got like... Kosky heating or whatever it is, and uh, we just wanted to make sure that uh, we could not be just, and if you ever sold a company, you wouldn't have to change the name or whatever, you know? Right, right. So it was with air, and it was kind of cute how when we first started in May 1st, 1972, so that's 50 years, we get all kinds of calls. So one call, the lady said, what time, when's the plane leaving? Yeah. <laughs> And I said, well, uh, this is, air. she said, well, is, this is air carrying. I said, yes, it is. I had a hard time getting to, <laughs> to, to tell her that, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're not the airport. <laughs> at the airport. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, can I stop you for a you, bit? Sure. You went to Ferris. You, did you go to school for HVAC? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then you worked for UP Power. What were you doing for them? It was called a cap, uh, application engineer. Okay. It was anything to do with heating, you know, or air conditioning or um, power, you know, power requirements. If somebody was starting a new business and we'd, we'd tell them how many amps they need and what kind of service. And so it was in street lighting and all that. And it was good. It was a good job. But then mm-hmm. it was, it was, politi- it was kind of political, you know? Sure. So then the next place you said you, you, you were doing sales for the next place. Is that right? Or what were you doing for the ne- well, UP Power, I, I would sell, you know, like if somebody, uh, well, electric heat and stuff, you know. And, uh, okay, I got you. For, for some reason, I thought there was a transition. You mentioned wearing a suit and showing up to places. That was no, all at UP Power. All at UP Power, yeah. Okay, I got you. And then you started air started, care from there. Yeah. Yeah. May 1st, I always remember sitting down and, uh, you know, I had one ad, had Bob Olson have it. Uh, if this is how your furnace starts, you know, a big blast I kind of yeah. had and <laughs> There's nobody calling, you know? yeah. I mean, I watched the guys go to work and everybody going to work, and I was sitting on the couch, and I said, wow, this ain't working out too good. So it brought me to, when I was at UP Power, uh, First National Bank of Calumet, they wanted air conditioning. And when I was there, I uh, <clears throat> I brought some dealers in, and they all said it's impossible to do it. You know? hmm. Well, then now, being, being pretty desperate here for work, I called a guy and uh, he was probably about 50, 55 years old. And I told him, I said, I'm, uh, I'd like to give you a quote on, on that air conditioning. He said, well, you told me you couldn't do it. I said, well, that, that was when, you know, I worked, uh, I, it was the other dealers, but I can do it. So we went there and looked at it. And right away he pointed out the air handler. It had an air handler in there. And this air handler, uh, he said, no, that's a piece of crap, you know. And I said, no, that's American Standard. I worked there. That's a good product. Well, yeah. So anyhow, I got the job, and I don't know why. I, I bid it real low. I think I, I had nobody against me. It was foolish, really, but I, I wanted to work. 
and uh, so we got the unit up on the roof and uh, and we plugged it in and all that and now not a sound or nothing. Wow! So I diagnosed, you know, I, I was pretty I was green at it, but I diagnosed it's a transformer, 24 volt transformer. So I got got that in a week or two later. I got went there. Things weren't that that fast in those days, you know. So uh, the guy, it was a hot day, and the president of this bank, he had he was chomping on a cigar, and he kind of said, "Well, we're we gonna have air." I said, "Well, I hope so." You know, I go up there. <laughs> And now I diagnose. I got a buzz only, and it's a compressor. Huh. How can this be? So anyhow, I'm almost thinking it's almost easier if I jumped off the roof because yeah. I hate to meet this guy right now. <laughs> so I told him, "Now we got a buzz." Oh, so it was pretty embarrassing. But so I called. I was a GE dealer, and I somehow set up. A, and I called the guy, and I told him, "I said, you know." Nah, I, I need help here. I, I'm not sure if I did it right or not. And, he's, and the guy was kind of from Chicago. He's kind of interested to come and see what I got. But he had never been up to this area. So huh. he came here and he was he was pumped and all that. And he diagnosed. He said, you're 100% right. He said, it's a compressor. It seems funny. but So he said, we'll send you a new compressor. <laughs> yeah. So they sent me a new compressor. Well, it went to Houghton Lake. So I didn't get that thing for about two weeks. Yeah. When I finally got that thing, I got her all installed. Now I got a problem with the air, air movement. Not enough air. This, this thing that he called, it was BS, you know. So I was changing shivs, trying to get the thing to get more RPMs. And it frees up, just ice right up. And, uh, well, I didn't know at the time. I let you know, it was cooling kind of good, I thought, you know. So uh, next thing... Uh, it was at midnight. The lights were blinking like crazy, and they they, they thought somebody's robbing the bank. And they, they came there and tried to see what's going on. It's my darn air conditioner, you know. Yeah. So this went on and on, and I'm thinking, what can I? And I wrote the Ferris thing, and things were really slow. Then, you know? <laughs> no, no answer hardly. So then I. I started thinking that it's a three-phase unit, and what I what I learned now when you can change just two wires, switch you switch the RPMs. I mean, you switch the, the and it starts going instead. Of, this thing was actually going backwards for eight years, so I had these big pulleys on there, and I had switched the wire, and I threw the switch on, and there was eight-year dust just coming, and the guy uh, he had a bank meeting board meeting and they all came down to the board and they want to know what the h is going on here you know and i told them and they started laughing but anyhow i got the ships gone and everything was fine but what i experienced you know, yeah. I, I had the worst things that could happen they happened to me and but it's, it's a learning curve right a bunch of them in the first job but yeah you know, yeah that was one of the jobs and i had another job in wakefield and i had, I had jobs all over but just being yeah, hungry you know yeah when you decided to start air care, can you give some context to your life? Were you married, single, kids? What was your? Yeah, so I was. Uh, I was married. Uh, I was. Um, I got married when I was twenty-four, so we had one child. I, and I started a business when I was twenty-six. Okay. And we, uh, then my oldest boy, uh, my wife was expecting him then in September. Yep. So and I was seventy-two. He was born uh, September fifteenth. Yeah, and from a. Uh, uh, my only context is my life in the last 28 years, right? So I'm just trying to picture what it was like in that age to start a business. Was that pretty 
risky financially i mean to be married with a young kid another young kid on the way that's a that's a big it, deal yeah it's yeah. just like you either don't have no brains or you know what i mean it's uh it's real stressful but you know there's some some things you can't help but do it you know yeah. you just can't stop yourself you're just wondering it's something from above is saying that you're wired for something and you're gonna have to do it you know and uh, my wife went along with it luckily but right it was not easy do you know what that came from like you said something from above, but like you had a drive, you weren't c comfortable or hat or you weren't satisfied in a employee role or what? Right. And I think I like to, uh, I, I, I kind of like to, uh, maybe run the show a little bit, you know, and I, I, I did, I had quite a bit of flexibility, but then when I started trying to run it too much, well, uh, they, they clipped my wings, you know? Yeah. And I said, well, you know, there's, there's certain things I was probably way ahead of my time because I said, you know, we were going to have a rate increase. And I said, you know, we, we don't need a rate increase. We're just starting to roll now. And uh, I can save you, uh, I think it was uh, at that time, $800,000, you know, or almost a million. And it was by having you read your own meters like REA. Sure, yeah. And, of course, that didn't go over, you know. But uh, So when I started seeing that my wings were clipped, I said, I, I'm not comfortable here. I, I got to run my own show. Yeah. Right. No, there's this, there's this thought process that I get into where I have a similar drive where I want to do my own thing and run my own show and, and, and be in charge of what I'm in charge of. And I sometimes wonder like, why is that? Why wouldn't you just take the safe route? You know, you can have the job here. It pays well. You've got vacation, whatever else. And I look back at like, or I used to think, and somebody even, even told me differently. I used to think that go back 30 years, 50 years, 80 years, people just worked and they dealt with it and that was it. But you're an example of somebody who didn't just work and just deal with it. Like you had that same desire. Well, I think all uh, my folks or my dad, uh, the Koskis, every one of them were in business. Okay. Right? So it was, it was something that they, they took, they just wanted to be the head poncho. Yeah. <laughs> Headstrong. Right. No, and I think it's just a naive thought process in my head. I just picture like somebody growing up here as a minor, like you just dealt yeah. with it and did it. But at the same time, there were grocery store owners, there was this, that, yeah. whatever else. And you're just a continuation of that. Right. Um, but I wonder, yeah, where that comes from. But is it, a, it, have you thought about that? Like, is it something within your personality that made you? I, I think so. I, you know, it's hard to really pin it. Sometimes I look back at, oh, how, how did I even dare do that? I mean, you know, yeah. like being... You can't be the smartest guy in a way. You yeah. got to have a bill, as long as you have some drive, you know. Yeah. You need drive, lots of drive. Right. No, but I think that moment, the little kid at home, a little kid on the way, and to say I'm going to leave the safe and secure and start this business is there's something pow pretty powerful about that. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, when I was eight or eight years <laughs> old, eight eight nine years old, I had a bike shop. And I, I was fixing bikes and charging, you know, it was like my own business you know, mm -hmm. at eight. And uh, I always remember I sold this bike to this one guy and, and it broke on him and he, oh, he wanted to clean my cock, you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I had to re-weld it and, and he was happy, but it was, uh, then uh, I ran a <coughs> brother and I, we had a dump truck and, and hauling sand and stuff. and. and hauled a lot of sand to the Moyer Clinic, you know where that Moyer no, Clinic is? It's at Berga-Houghton County line. It was a Dr. Moyer. Okay. And uh, it was amazing, that guy, he he died when he was 60 years old, but he didn't need any sleep at all, hardly. Huh. Yeah. He, 
we hauled a lot of sand for that. But that clinic never really, when he passed away, then right away almost things just didn't work out. Yeah. But the, I'll save some more of my uh, other questions for later. Let's get back into the story and the timeline. So you started AirCare. You had a fir- these first few jobs with some pretty huge learning curves. What was it like from there? I mean, it, it was a did struggle. you settle in pretty quick? Well, <laughs> there was a guy, uh, Harold Hoppel, I always remember, he's an insurance agent, and he told me, he said, you know, if you don't make any money for five years, he said, stick with it. He said, you have to stick with it. because then, uh, And he, you know, I could have punched him in the nose the way I thought, oh, the, you know, yeah. but he was sure right. I mean, it took at least five years, you know, yeah. and uh, everything you had to buy, you didn't have a tool for this. You didn't have that. Another thing that was really bad is that it wasn't licensed in anything. Sure. And boy, you know, you usually have to be licensed to be able to take a, a journeyman test or anything. They always wanted you had X amount, and that was a struggle for years and years. I had to get a license there, so I got to be a master plumber, master electrician, and all that. But it took years of getting there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, but what point? Like, okay, again, you're making a pretty risky choice to start that right. business, right? All right. Uh, at what point did you feel like, okay, there's something here, like this is working, you're getting calls coming in, people are looking for your business? Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of cute how uh, I was still desperate for work, you know? Yeah. And Hamer and Quant, uh, now it's 41 Lumber, but they were in the oil business, huh. and they had an ad in a paper for uh, they wanted a serviceman. And the owner there, Bud Quant, he was a good businessman, but I went uh, went and answered the ad, and he asked me, he said, I got two questions for you. He said, number one, he said, can you stand on your head, and can uh, are you willing to stand on your head? And he said, do you know what I mean by that? I said, yes, I do. He, but he said, there's one furnace I'd rather have you not work on, is a Timken, you know? Mm-hmm. I said, okay. So anyhow, I had uh, that, that uh, mounted quite a bit and at that time I charged eight dollars to clean that furnace and all that and mm-hmm. get oily and and you really learn a lot. I take notes and you know that man there's you know everyone has got this kind of filter and I kind of get an idea but anyway I came in and by the there used to be a Clark gas station now there's a tire shop there right in the corner there uh fine line in Houghton sure yeah and uh happened to be a Timken in there. So I kind of called him uh, real quietly. I said, there's a Timken. He said, well, work on it. I said, well, you told me not to work on it. I said, no, he said, just work on it. So now I didn't know a thing about it. So I, I take this thing apart and I just kind of clean things and everything else and I just put it all back together. And every day I'd go by there, many times a day probably, I'd say a little prayer, stay on, stay on, maybe. So a whole year went by, <laughs> a whole year. And I... The lady said, you know, I don't know what you did, but she said, this is the first year I never had to call because you take two to three service calls to get through a season. Yeah. So she said, whatever you did. So so I didn't say too much. I said, okay, (laughs) did it again. And then she said, well, or gave that name to somebody else. And it was a job in Houghton. And uh, the guy, says he, op- I op- he opened the door for me. He said, I heard you're the Timken expert. Yeah. And I started, I started <laughs> chuckling a little bit. I said, you know, so I go down there. And the basement's kind of, it's a low basement, probably only six feet and dark, dark. And now there's a boiler over here. I, actually, I didn't know it was a boiler. And here's a water heater, oil water heater. And they all look alike. Yeah. And I said, wow, this ain't good. You know, I got to yeah. know. <laughs> 
And they got, you know, for a long time, there's no sound at all. So the guy says, everything going okay over there? So I, instead of being at one place, if I'm on the wrong end, he's going to wonder what the heck. So I go right in the middle. I, you know, I say, oh, yeah, I'm just checking things out. And uh, so anyhow, that went over good now, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. So then there was the, uh, Eno Kopi, the Kopi Oil, he had an oil business, and, uh, and he was a nice, real nice guy. And I asked him, would you explain uh, some of the do's and don'ts because I'm a, I'm a greenhorn. Yeah. And he showed me. He, this it was like a, uh, I don't know what you, how you'd call it, going slowly, it'd go uh, like a rotor going in there. And you can look, but you got to shut. It affects the, the airflow, affects it so much that, so it took many times that he was showing me and I'd look at it and I didn't know what I was looking at. And <laughs> pretty soon I, I was the expert, yeah? Yeah. Oh, man. That's funny. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Just funny to hear about, because obviously now today <clears throat> you've amassed a wealth of knowledge. You could look back and say, man, what did I not know? But at that moment, it's just such a... Well, I didn't know nothing. Yeah. yeah. yeah it... And only one way to find it out, right? Just to dive into it? Yeah, it's, it's scary. Yeah. 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 I mean, sometimes you don't, you, you get customers that are not very happy with you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy too, hey, because for anybody in that whole industry or any industry, right, there's always something new you see. And people expect you to have seen it all. Yeah, I had another job that this one turned really sour. We did a, a wiring the house and everything. And last minute, the guy wants a light above the kitchen sink, you know. Mm-hmm. And now all it's all painted and drywalled. And I said, well, I can I can put it. It was a fluorescent light. I'll just put it upside down. So I asked him to get approval. And he said, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyhow, maybe a, a week or two went by. And the guy, he didn't like that. So he went and got his own light fixture and started doing it. And he, when you take a electrical fluorescent light, it's got all kinds of wires in it, the ballast and everything. And then I'm tapping it to go somewhere else yet. Mm-hmm. It's a jungle, you know, it's just a rat nest. Right. Well, he, he, <clears throat> he just kind of lost it. He had to go get drunk. Yeah. I mean, he really, he just, uh, so, uh, and I got the, somebody from the bar called me that, oh, it ain't very good, you know. So I went over there, and the wife opened the door about a, maybe six inches, and she was scared of me too. Yeah, you know. She said, "Oh, I don't know if I can let you in here." I mean, Norm is he ain't happy, you know. Yeah. So, so I finally convinced her to go, and and well, I start fixing it, and uh, now he he's coming. He drives, and she's scared of scared him. He he drives in the driveway, you know, and for some reason. He opens the trunk, and I'm thinking, 
he's going to come out with a shotgun. Yeah. You know, and just blow me away. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never been so happy to see a guy all stone drunk because he, he come in there and he just said, hi, John. Yeah. And he sat in a chair and just slumped in there. I said, whoa. I was like, oh. yeah. So anyhow, maybe another half an hour went by and he started to sober up a little bit. And she said, well, we, we need some milk. Would you go get milk, you know? So he, he goes, go get milk and he comes back and now he's he's a little bit more feisty you know sure so now i'm not scared of him because i know he don't have a gun he's just there you know mm -hmm. and i nailed him and i more or less say you know i said if you have a problem i said i'd appreciate if you'd come right to me and ask me let's solve this thing instead of going all over the place saying you know and uh, bad mouthing me i said and i said if you don't let me do that, you know, give me a first chance to solve a problem. Then I said, you're nothing but a prick. Mm -hmm. And he said, you're absolutely right. Right. He was one of my best customers then. Huh. But scary. So you, yeah. Is that the first time you had to confront a client like that? Probably, probably like that because I was that young, you know, that you don't really have the guts to, you know, in later life now, I found out <laughs> it was a lot later People would ask me, as soon as you get there, what do you think is wrong? And, you know, when you're young, you say, well, I think it's a, the motor or it's, it's a pump or something. And then five minutes later, it's not that. What do you think it is? Is it the pump? <laughs> you know, so you, you'd be talking in circles. And so I, I learned to, to um, somebody would say, well, what do you think is wrong? I said, I have no idea. Right. I got to, you know, look at it. Well, they kind of disappeared. They're almost afraid of the old guy. Didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, there's a there's a way of handling people. Yeah, and it took a while to learn that. You right. gotta be flexible. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are um, feisty, and, and some of them are really um, they're they're testing you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I had another one that was kind of cute. Uh, <clears throat> I was just getting into wood stoves, wood furnaces and stuff, and uh, thermal pride. They were really good. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I sold one to my uncle. And I told him, this is kind of an experiment that I'd rather have you, uh, I'm going to have people to come over and look at it, but you can't say how much you you paid for it, you know. Sure. Be, uh, you know. Well, anyhow, uh, this guy, I won't mention his name from Pelkey, <laughs> he, uh, he went over there and looked at it and he liked it and all that. And, and, and my Uncle George slipped up and said what it cost, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyhow, he calls me. He said, when can you come and look? And I said, um, wh whenever or whatever. So uh, I, I I don't know if I made it quite real clear. And he, he and he more or less hollers on the phone even. He says, Are, do you want to sell me a furnace or not? I said, well, I'll come. So I got there. And right away, uh, you know, I was just going to go. And he he said, oh, we, come through the, we don't come through the front door. We go to the back door, you know. Well, I so we sat in the kitchen or in the living room there for a second or two, and I said, "This this conversation is not going good." You know, he's just ruling me like I'm a little kid. You know, right? <laughs> so I said, "Well, let's go look down the basement." You know, and when we got done looking at him, <clears throat> I told him what it'd be for a new furnace. He said, <laughs> "He said that's way too much." He said, uh, "He said uh, the house ain't worth that." You know, so I got a little cocky and I said, "Well, I'll give you that for the house." Right. You know? So now he just so I, I I was driving back from Pelkey, kind of depressed, thinking this guy is just begging me to buy a furnace, right. and now he just doesn't want nothing to do with it. 
So all of a sudden, uh, I mean, a day or two went by, and he calls me. He said, order it. I said, which one? The biggest. I said, okay. So, you know, it was just a matter of, he really, I couldn't figure out him. And it was a good experience, though. He was a lot older. Yeah. And they gave me cash, I always remember. Yeah. And he also said, uh, count it. Count it. And make yeah. sure you wanted to see if I was, you know, like jipping him. Right. Huh. huh. So, yeah, crazy thinking about that, the timelines too. But then also at some point you got to the, how early on, I guess I was going to ask you, at some point you got to the point of hiring employees, that whole side of things. How many years into it did you start doing that? It's probably, uh, probably about, maybe a couple of years actually. Actually, almost, uh, almost pretty close. It was Irwin Massey actually. And uh, I had a job, uh, put a new, um, new boilers in the Chassel schools, and that was the old school. Yeah. And uh, I always remember Irwin, while well, he was about 15 years old, and he came to the door, and I, yeah, I hired him just not like that, just bango. And I'm, now I, <coughs> this boiler's coming in from Iron Mountain, Woodock Supply, and I meet him right at the, on US 41 there, and he opens the door, or uh, the, the, the tr uh, truck, uh, gate or whatever you want to call it and I'm looking where's the boiler and the guy points it it was all in pieces you know because it's that big you know yeah. so now I'm sure kind of like whoa I'm staring at it there so we bring it over there put it all together and for some reason things weren't going good at all I mean uh, first of all I it was a one pipe system and I didn't have traps in there and I'd pull that steam and it was just like the whole place is just going to explode almost and the pipes are shaking, and and another thing is, the uh, you, when you have oil, you take a test, and it's zero to ten to smoke test, and mm -hmm. zero you should have a zero is a white. When it's, I had about a ten. It was just dark, hmm. and so then the, it was a salesman. And he was kind of a technician too. He came there from uh, Wild McLean, oh, and he really loused that one up. He just, I mean, it was just terrible. Hmm. And now school starting, and the janitor's on my on my case, and oh man, so so anyhow, um, I call uh, the or the supplier, Woodock Supplier at Iron Mountain, and the guy uh, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, I told him, uh, "Come on up, I, I'm I'm in desperacy here. We need a, And I said, "Take a nozzle, take this and that." And I always met him. I met at, at a, it was a Chippewa a restaurant there in Chasm, and there was a phone booth there, and he's in that phone booth forever and forever. And I'm just antsier and ever thinking when it was. So when we go to the school, and now he put, he's a guy to about six two, you know, and he puts on a big white lab coat and starts telling jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fit to be tied because first of all I said did you this no didn't do nothing I said well I dry run here and anyhow he said you got a hammer I said, he gave him a hammer and he went behind that furnace and there's like a damper there and he said he kept on tapping now I added this and he just set the air perfect and now it was just white as ever huh. that thing for 10 years I never had to clean it it was just uh, every time you'd see me you got a hammer yeah and that a little bit reminds me of us. when I was I was single then. I was working for a power company. And we, my dad, on the farm, we had an electrical problem. And this electrical problem, 
I wasn't solving it. There was a guy in the neighborhood that he can't read or write. Hmm. And my dad said, should we call him? It's kind of slapping the teeth, you know, but after about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I said, well, go ahead and call him. I figured he's going to get, you know, he's going to get an egg on his face. He ain't going to be no solid. He came over in probably about 10, 15 minutes. He just solved the problem. Now I'm pretty gullible there. I said, how did you learn your electricity? Right. And he said, lots of shocks. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I thought of that. In life, there's a lot of shocks. And that's how you really learn those shocks. Yeah. Going through those moments, like that first job with that air conditioner or the Chassel school or all of it, right? Oh, yeah. They were. I had one job, too, in Chassel. I remember I put the boiler in, and I it just wouldn't. No gas, no gas, no gas. I put a new gas valve, no gas. Finally, I found out it was somebody had welded it solid. It was just like somebody's just nailing me, you huh. know? Crazy. And the first job I put in in Tri Mountain for uh, Otto Bloom, I seen him again, probably a month ago, and, and he said, "You know, you were the first. I said, "Yeah, I know. I was the first one to put the." And uh, <clears throat> for some reason, I wanted to do things good. Where when you put on the baseboard, instead of nailing it, I put screws. You know, and okay. then you can take it off. And when you nail something, it's kind of. But the thing is. <laughs> In those days, there was no cordless drills or none of that stuff. Yeah. And my hands were pretty soft for being in the office, you know, yeah. at our power company. Well, anyhow, I just had calluses and everything, and I'm thinking, what did I do, Yeah. you know, to start this kind of... But wasn't afraid of work. Yeah. And that's where... I mean, obviously you've had a, a long and successful career in it and built a, a thriving company, but that's what it comes down to, right? Just the willingness to get after it and work. Yeah, I, I'd say you got to really, um, yeah, you know, yeah, you got to, you got to think, and you should be somewhat good in math, you know, a little bit, like you have a little idea because when you look at a job, you should right away know something about it. Like, is this going to be a two day job or, you know, like normal employees actually, a lot of times they, maybe they don't want, they're scared of the boss. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd walk in and say, well, how many days, how much, you, and right away I, I can see there's about two days work, and, and they say, well, they, have no, they have no idea or whatever, and, mm -hmm. and they've been working there, you know? Right. So it's, uh, you learn, uh, um, you should have the instincts, to, uh, you know, is this going to be a year project or what, yeah? Right, right. But so a lot of what I'm curious about is those moments of change, like when you started the business, when you hired an employee, you said you hired Irwin Massey. When you got to the point where you're getting much larger, did you have some, like, if you look back, could you point out like four or five big moments and you all of a sudden you went from two to 10 employees or change your way of thinking or anything like that from a, uh, just a, the whole process? Yeah, probably, you know, I probably wasn't good at that. I just would just work harder and, and things. And, and I always had my nose a little bit trying to sniff something out, you know, okay. and, uh, that gives me another uh, it was a woodock supply again that they would have these cars they were fairmont wagons and they would put on about a hundred thousand miles on them and they were just like brand new actually you know road miles you know right and i'd buy those cars and then i'd resell them a little bit to customers and employees and whatever it is and then i had one that the engine was shot mm -hmm. and i don't know what i was thinking but i told the guys here's a rope and $20, go go get that thing. Oh, 
well, when I got there, this uh, the guy's name was Jeff. He, was, he was, really got to be a good friend of mine. But he said, oh, you chief Finlander, I'm bringing, you know. So anyhow, now it's already, I sent those guys maybe about 2 o'clock in the afternoon to go pick up that, or that car. And here it's about eight thirty, nine o'clock. No, no, not, no sign of them yet. And finally, they come in around probably nine thirty, ten o'clock. And you should have seen the look on their eyes. They were just like frightened and scared and everything else. They said, "Well, you know, the battery is it, it, it ran low, so there's no lights on the thing, and no power steering, <laughs> and with a rope." Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was stupid. Yeah. So I do stupid stuff like that, and sometimes you wonder what the, what the, what's wrong with you, you know? But yeah. it, it worked out good, and we put yeah. a new motor in there and sold her, and they were nice cars. Yeah. Um, but you you mentioned when I asked that question, like you said, you didn't always think about that. Did you have? I go through this thing in my head where where if I'm running, a, if I say I'm in your shoes, running a business where I'm I'm stepping back and thinking about where do I want this to go? How do I want this to be? How do I want to treat this or that, whatever else? And I think you can do that too much and not just work. And I, I, I'm wondering for you, did you find that just through straight work ethic and just continuation that the, the business has naturally evolved, evolved without having to intentionally manipulate it? I should have had a better goal in a way, but in those days, you know, you really, it was tough to, to think beyond, uh, a little distance because it gives, just to give you an idea, when I first started, uh, there was only one supplier and it'd come once a month. Okay. A. Pearson supply out of Escanaba. Hmm. One month. And so then Woodock, they didn't want to sell to me because I had no license of nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'd beg them and I finally told them I would have them uh, sue them for being that uh, discrimination against the Finlander, you know? Sure. Anyhow, but it was, there was things, were, well, they were really tight, you know. And then uh, well, the Carter years, it was terrible. Uh, there was uh, every other day you could get uh, the stations were open, depending on, and then uh, they closed at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you just, it was hard to think beyond. You know, you couldn't have a real good vision because everything was not that great. Yeah, you were almost in survival mode. Uh, yeah, yeah, but. <clears throat> looking back knowing what you know now would you have done anything different or or even well saying, i think i would have yeah. watched my hiring okay. I, would, I would have watched my who i hire i would hire anybody almost I yeah. you, as long as they you know they two hands and stuff and that was a mistake because you, you gotta have good like now my son runs the show and he hires guys and, and they're good guys you know yeah. you you can't have guys that just want to go hunting and get laid off just to hunt right you know, yeah. you got to have work ethics, you know, and the workers. Yeah. And they got to take pride in it. And you got to get, I I probably was on their back too much in a way because I, I didn't want them to ever screw up. Mm-hmm. And so pretty soon they're that scared of me. They didn't even know how to put the furnace. In. I said, well, oh, you can't, you can't even get the blower out. You got to, you know, you, but now the guys, uh, they think beyond, uh, you know. Sure. So lessons, or, or even if you were right now at your spot saying, and you're able to talk to yourself at John at 26 years old, what would you tell him? Uh, just advice, or is there things, or, again, I think the, the, the ultimate theme of just the work ethic and stick with it and all that is good, but I'm just curious if you have some insights that you could help somebody else that's 26 and starting up plumbing business, or even what would you tell yourself at age 26? 
Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, you know, I don't know what advice I think. You know, I always admire when somebody starts their own business, and they, and and I, and I usually I go up to the guy and I say, you know, that that tastes guts, you know, yeah. and, and but they must. I think you're wired a little different. You just it, that's a, something in you that you're never quite satisfied. You're not really in it for the money, and you just want to be the, the head poncho, you know? Right. Yeah, and I wonder. So you want to be the head poncho, but two is it? <laughs> is it you had a? I'm curious. Like as a kid, did you find that you struggled under authority, like somebody telling you what to do? Parents, teachers, whatever else. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think back on that. The way, uh, no, I think I would listen, but I think I had my own program. Though I mean, you know, I still would think that yeah, okay, yeah, I'll take half of that. You yeah, know? <laughs> and uh, you can—that's one good way of thinking. Uh, asking a lot of questions, and you can get answers from this way. And 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 I always remember when I was at Ferris too. <clears throat> there was a there was a Chinese guy. You could hardly you could hardly understand him or anything, and he's asking about what he asked everybody in that class what did the instructor really say you know mm -hmm. say. and then there's a couple of guys in the back there they had they were in, been in the navy and they they didn't really listen to the instructor they were talking about everything and they really didn't know much mm -hmm. and the first test came the only guy that got an a was that chinese guy yeah he listened and and he you know, and even if it was all BS, he probably he's nodding. He said, oh, "Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you." You know, and uh, yeah, it worked out. I always thought of that. You know, you gotta listen. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, I guess just trying to explore that uh, where that comes from, that needing to do your own thing and and be the head honcho. And I'm wondering if there's more to it. I almost believe there's something like within you on a personality level, not like a not like a, a grandiose thing or an ego thing or a whatever else, but it's almost a, something deeper within you from a personality level that makes you want to have that somewhat risky thing. Yeah, I uh, for me, I guess uh, I, uh, I I kind of like the uh, well, I kind of like the, to feel important that I actually, you know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I, I took it serious, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And a, a thing I've been dwelling on, I was just talking about somebody last night, and I don't know if you think about this or engage in this at all, and I'm curious to get your perspective, but everybody talks about right now how it is pretty tough to find employees, right? Right. Uh, whereas you go back 30 years or 20 years, it was the reverse, right? I mean, there were a lot of employees per job kind of thing, or, or what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I'm just... Uh... <clears throat> Yeah, I think all all along when I look at back, there were always there was always leaders, you know. There was always okay. people that, even if the times were rough. I mean, I think about like the Nemalas, you know, with mm -hmm. uh, uh, Wally Nemala, a very good salesman, and I, and he always told me, he said, you have to make the sale before anything happens. You, you know, and sales is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think about, I mean, it's my world. I've been in sales for mm -hmm. seven years. It's something I've thought about forever that you can be the best. I've used this line all the time. You can use the best, be the best plumber in the world or the best anything in the world. But if you can't sell your product or your service, then you have nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, I guess where I was going with the employee thing is I'm wondering, I, I guess a few things is one, I th everybody you talk to says that you cannot find 
employees right now. Everybody who is worth it is working elsewhere, whereas that wasn't true before. And it's almost like an attitude of like kids these days don't know how to work, which is probably partially true. But I'm curious if that's like the kids these days sentiment is true for every generation going back in time, you know? Well, I think our area is a little different. Though, okay. You know? I mean, of course, there's probably maybe, uh, but we've got a lot of um, families that have good work ethics. I mean, they, they to survive, the people had uh, the kids had to all pump in, you know. So sure. we're having a, a good. Uh, I I always would look at it before I hire somebody. I, I look at the parent. Yeah. And, and if the parent were, was not very ambitious, you know. A lot of times I, I had to learn that you better not hire the guy, you know? Sure. Yeah. So yeah. they're upbringing. But no, I was Upbring. just curious about a, a perspective. Like when you were young, were your elders saying kids these days aren't worth their salt? Yeah, I don't know if... Uh, <laughs> like my dad, what a worker he was. And my, my dad was a very intelligent guy, but... Uh, um, well, he was 90 years old, and he had he bailed over 6,000 bales of hay, and he bought a power saw at 90, you know? So you get a little idea, but he uh, he only went eight grades of school. Huh. And I, I always remember on the farm, there was, uh, just beyond the farm, there's a swamp, and somebody from Chicago ordered uh, or bought 40 acres there, and, and everybody would always say, well, if you want to find out anything, ask Albert Kosky, you know? So, yeah. so my, the guy asked, uh, where are the, the corners? He wanted to know where's the land really. And, and my dad, for some, I don't know how, I, I, I wish I would have asked him a little more. But anyhow, he did uh, spotted the corners and all that. And, and then uh, my dad told him, I mean, you're gonna get a regular surveyor here because I mean, I, what, you know, I'm, this is general. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, a uh, Warren Buell, I think he was a tech f professor and a s surveyor, su su <coughs> surveyor, and uh, he came there and he, he found the points and all that, and he seen where my dad was maybe only fifteen feet away off. He said, he asked my dad, "Where did you go to school?" And my dad said, "What do you mean? I, I went, you know, he thought he went to tech." Mm -hmm. <laughs> my dad said, "No, in eighth grade, right?" But he had a math head. Oh. Huh. When we were baling hay and I was on the farm and I was just BSing on a, sitting on a fender there and around baler, you know, you stop and you, it pumps it out. And yeah. so when you get done, he said, well, that was 113 and he's talking to me. And at the end of the day, he no pencil, no paper, no nothing. He said, well, that's 1,340 bales. And my brother Gordon, he has a math head like that. We're bowl I'm doing bowling now, and he can a lot faster than you can. If you had a computer there or a calculator, you could not. He adds up those numbers and divides by three, and he has the answer right there. Hmm. So, yeah, crazy. So, <clears throat> eighth grade education, he was able to do that just naturally. Yeah. 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 yeah it's just. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Jay, my father-in-law, that works for you yeah. or worked for you for many years. Yeah. <clears throat> he mentioned a job where you went to Twin Lakes and forgot your tools or something. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, when we first started, our, you know, I got the first call and no heat or something. We went over there and it got all the way to Alston or Pelkey or somewhere like that. And uh, 
forgot every tool bag. <laughs> oh, so, it was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Did you stop and tell the customer? Like, were you in the house before you found that out or no? No, they, it was lucky. It was a rental. And oh, okay. This guy that told me that if you don't make any money for five years, he was the, he was a customer oh, there sure. or, or whatever. He was like the insurance agent and said, go fix that furnace, you know. So yeah. I was off the hook. He didn't need to know what the struggle was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> any other uh, fun stories that stick out to you? Yeah. I, I, as I mentioned before, I was a GE dealer. And in those days packaging and stuff there was a lot of, every furnace there was a lot of dent damages you know and uh, so i called uh, asked them do you have any uh dented furnaces or anything i'm always looking for your deal you know and uh they kind of saved up a bunch of them and said yeah yeah we've got we'll have some you know i said okay so i my boys and i it was a sunday i always remember and i i, I took about 175 dollars of money and i took two checkbooks and my son's uh, Jimmy was probably twelve, and my Jeff was about eight. Uh, runs the air care now, and we went to Chicago, uh, and uh, I uh, um, this pickup was pretty hard on gas and stuff. But uh, so I thought I w- when I got the GE office and so forth, I said uh, I'd like to see Chicago and show the boys that uh, you know, and they uh, look at me like oh, nobody wants to go down there. Yeah, that uh, if you. Uh, Call a taxi and he can do it maybe. Yeah. So I called a taxi and I that was forty five dollars and I said ooh that's that's good but hey when we're here we're gonna enjoy it you know right and it's kind of a funny taxi driver he would had a, a he could make a, a bird sound so and the boys got the giggles you know <laughs> so it was kind of fun anyhow we got to the warehouse and if you can picture these big semis and now I got a little two wheel trailer. I mean, it looks so out of place, and all these guys are looking I, because I, to get it in, I just unhook it, and I just and they're like, where are you from? You know, they're asking questions, and all these big semis, and oh, so I, anyhow, they wish me well. And uh, as soon as I was left the, the building, it's raining like cats and dogs, huh. you know, and with cardboard, all these things are <laughs> cardboard, I just and the first railroad tracks we go over. The trailer on hooks, <laughs> and lucky I had the safety chains on it. Yeah. Now there's six lanes of traffic, and I can't lift it. Yeah. And the boys are coming. Out. I said, "No, Jeff, you stay in. You're too small." And and I, my son Jim, I said, "Let's get it." And we got it somehow on there. We're back going. You know, well, now all the lights. I, I ripped everything off. You know. Or, yeah. And I'm changing lanes, and people are tooting the horns at me, and this cardboard's flying away. And anyhow, we keep kept going, and and then I see a cop in the in a in the media, so to speak. And that cop, I told my son Jim, I said, "Oh, we're gonna." He said, "How do you?" I said, "He he's seen no lights and stuff." So sure enough, he pulls me over. He said, "You ain't got no lights." I said, "I had lights," which I did. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, "Well, you you got to get those fixed right now, and I'll give you a warning." So I went to the. Um, uh, the nearest station there, and the guy, who was a one guy handling everything, and it was about 20, 25 minutes, and uh, there was no sign that he's going to be able to help me. He was just so busy, so I went. I had good clothes on. I just went under there and put some wires together. Didn't even know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Got the wires together, and, and now the boys are hungry, and we ain't got no money hardly, and, and the thing's swallowing gas. And we get to Iron Mountain, and that was probably 2 o'clock in the morning, and... Uh, 
and there's a sign there and they don't take any checks or anything and, and I got only checks you know and I had a dollar 23 cents and I put put the dollar 23 in there and I went for it hmm. and I don't know how I ever made it home on you know when I got there at four o'clock or you know, and I had one penny for, for somebody left and we we made it home I don't know how but yeah. <laughs> but I always remember there was people looking at me though with that those big semis and everything. Where is this cat from? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about, and, and Jay, I've heard all kinds of stories through the years of like uh, fixing plumbing, fixing uh, a sewer leak, whatever else, and things explode and things spraying everywhere. I, I, for some reason, I have the impression you a little bit thrive on that. Is that true? Like, did you enjoy those chaos moments where <laughs> sewer pipes are bursting and, and stuff's going everywhere and whatever else? Well, I think guys are really afraid of poop, you know? Yeah. And I always said, uh, I don't have a good smeller. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I could just smell green stuff, and that was money, you know? Yeah, right. So uh, and, and they get a little bit on it. And this one guy, Aaron, Aaron and he said, I got to go for a shower. And, oh, wow. So um, it's kind of, they knew that I was just pushing their button, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of they would jab me, jab at me, but uh, we had a nice relationship with the guys. Yeah, they're, they're always testing you, and I'm testing them. You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, a little bit I can relate. Well, after high school, I worked summers out in the oil field out in North Dakota. Uh, before I did sales out there eventually, but a mm-hmm. little bit of oil field experience and then working on these wells. And if mm-hmm. the well would come around, oil would be spooting on the pipe. You'd have to run up there, jab this hero valve, it'd be called, or something in there to stop that oil, crank it on there. You'd be there or, or holding like a, a cloth viper over, whatever it took to somehow stop that oil. And in the process, you're getting blasted in the sure. face with invert and this and that, whatever else. And the whole, that was like weirdly exciting to just chaos and running around and just, <laughs> so i picture it'd be the same way although I'd, I'd almost rather get blasted in the face with a little bit of oil rather than uh, somebody's yeah. sewer yeah that's uh, a lot of times it, <laughs> it's lucky i i would take a sauna every night you sure needed it too you know yeah it, it, you'd get pretty dirty yeah but did you like have an adrenaline rush doing those some of those moments <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if it was adrenaline, but it was a desperacy. You got to fix it, you know. I mean, you know, you can't. Uh, it was just like um, there used to be a. I got to think of the name, uh, Big Boy in in Houghton. Yeah. And they had a sewer smell that was just it was just not going away. And the health department was going to shut them down, you huh. know. And so they went. They asked me to see what I can do and. One of my employees, Steve, uh, I, I had a rope on me, and I'd crawl in. It was a crawl space, and he kept on hollering, are you okay? And I, I wanted to just keep on going, and pretty soon there, there was hardly any space, so maybe uh, 20 inches of space, you know, and I'll, I come up with this dam or stuff. This pipe was been broken in the kitchen for one year, and all the sewage, you know, just 12 inches of sewage, mm-hmm. just full. And, of course pull on the rope and they get me out of here. I mean, I, I don't know how I even lasted in that smell and all that. So I figured I, I haven't, the only way we can, we can't fix that. The only way we're going to do is cut the floor up and then put all gravel, just gravel it and it's closer up. And that's what I did. And everything went pretty good. It was working all night long, you know, and, uh, it, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a bill about $800 in those days. And it took over a year to get paid. Hmm. 
Crazy. No, so you just hear a lot of those stories, and I was just curious, again, if there's almost a a weird way that you almost enjoy those days, or or you can almost look back on them with a a fun memory, even though in the moment maybe it's not so fun. Yeah, I would say you're always testing. They were always testing me, and I was testing them, you know. So it made a lot of fun, really, you know. The work day went by super fast because you were always trying to think, how can I nail this guy a little bit, you know. (laughs) It was... (laughs) And we had guys that were pretty sharp. This one guy, Ken, you know, he he, he spots everything. He just he just seems like he knows. Even if you're in a crosswalk, he knows what the directions are and everything else. And you know, on our road there, I lived on Massey Road, and he's <clears throat> there was a guy. He he had a beat up trailer, and he bought it, got got rid of it, and put another beat up one, and we had to hook it up. And <laughs> So I said, Ken, I said, there's a new trailer over there. <laughs> and he came back the next day. He's just like, what are you talking about? I can't find no new trailer. <laughs> and I told him, but it was patched. It was a little bit better trailer. Yeah. It was new to the site. But but those guys, I, I it was kind of fun having a, because usually he, he knows what it was, what, what goes on there. And Yeah. <laughs> What about for uh, retirement for you? Was that an easy choice, a hard choice? Tough, uh, real tough. Yeah. You know, I've always was timing myself. Like, do I have time to do this? And maybe I gotta, I'll, I'll still do that furnace uh, before I go to, uh, for supper. So pretty soon it's just, oh, now you don't have to do anything. Yeah. So the day, you got to try and figure out what to do, you know, to goof off. You got to learn to get lazy, you know. Right. That, that took about a year. Yeah. Is it? So I took bowling. I'm bowling twice a week, and you know, I'd bowl. I'd bowl every day, actually. If I, huh? That's challenging. How come bowling? Where did that come from? Well, I don't know. My brother Gordon mentioned it. And I don't really know how I got started, but uh, for some reason, uh, maybe somebody mentioned it, and I went there. And, and it seems like it shouldn't be that hard, you know. I mean, it's always the same pen, pins. It's the same distance, and why can't you, you know, do you know a lot better, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I started out only 80 to 100, and I bought my own ball and got to 120, and hmm. it kept on going up, and you know now I'm a 155 guy or so. Nice. Uh, but that was a tough transition. I, I, yeah, and then when you yeah. give up the sh- ship, like uh, you, you, there's n- nothing to buy or there's no decisions to make, you know. I mean, we, uh, my son Jeff or I, we'd, we'd make decisions right off, you know, off the cuff, so to speak. Well, we got to get another van or order two vans or whatever you got to do. And now there's there's no need to, for nothing, you know? Yeah. Just get groceries. Right. Can you, like, I'm wondering if there's a place for being able to not fully let go of that. Not saying, like, get back into the business, but find hobby. And I guess you are with bowling, you're doing some things, but find a way to, <clears throat> I don't know. Or, or, or are you glad that now you let go of it? It took you a year. Oh, oh yeah, but I'm, I'm still, I was, I'm still like, only a year ago I was trying to buy a business event, you know. Okay. And, and I was, I still got my fingers in a few things, you know. Yeah. And it wouldn't necessarily be, it'd be something different, you know. Uh huh. But uh, then I start thinking my age, you know. I mean, I'm 76 years old, you know. Well, come on, why do I want to start another business, you know? Right. <laughs> but I don't know. I. I, I somebody close to you might think differently but i'm just wondering you have a personality when you were 26 years old that you should you need to do this i don't think that personality ever goes away regardless of your age 
Right. Yeah. I th- I think you're you're <clears throat> wired a certain way, and uh, that's the way it is. You know. I mean, I think when uh, when I was a kid, and and I, I had my uncle Axel. He was he was a a mechanic and everything else, and and he. He gave me a, a four-inch crescent wrench, and I was probably four or five years old. And he said, "One thing you got to do: remember, you can't be afraid to get dirty." Yeah. Well, <clears throat> when I was I was four or five years old, and back uh, behind uh, the garage, my dad would change the oil, and there was all these uh, pans of oil and everything else. And I'm tr- with, I'm trying to I'm shaking this little four-inch crescent. And I don't know what to do with it. I'm trying to oil it up, and finally. I don't know what I was thinking. I I dump it over my head. Yeah. Well, and I go to <laughs> go to the door, yeah. and my ma is just a fit to be tight. She said, "Get out of here!" You know, I mean, dripping oil and all that. And yeah. She she jumped my uncle for uh, telling that kid. You know, I mean, you don't tell that kid. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I I had that in my you know, and I was trying to be of some value, or I you know, I'm not afraid to get dirty. You know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, so I like asking the retirement question, uh, because life goes by quick and before you know it, I'll be there. Right. Yeah. Uh, but also just to learn from it. Cause I think, like you said, you, you, you get used to a certain mode of living or a certain way of living and, and it can be tough to transition, but I just don't know that there's ever, I guess I'm curious on your thoughts. Is there ever an age where you should stop being the way you're driven necessarily, you know? No, probably, probably not. I think that sort of helps you uh, live longer, even and so forth. <clears throat> and like, like my dad now, he was a, a sexton of the Kivna Bay Cemetery for over seventy years. He buried people and all that. Yeah. And he was probably eighty, eighty-five years old. And he says, um, "How much did you, John?" He said, "How much did you pay for that jackhammer? We have electric jackhammers, probably about eighty pounds, you know." And I said, "Why?" He said, well, I was thinking for the cemetery to get that <laughs> jackhammer. Right. You want to know how much it was, you know? And I said, oh, well, dad, dad, you know? So I always remember my brother, Roger, gave him a, a shovel, a round point shovel. And he said, oh, he looked and he said, I wore, he wore that one out, out. You know, there's not many guys who wear it. They break the handle or something, but they don't wear it out. Right. So it's a kind of thing yeah, a lot of lessons you learn from watching him, eh? Yeah, yeah. He set the he set the uh, the bar pretty high in a way because again, my brother Roger had a, a welding shop and he'd get two loads of of wood uh, semis, and my dad would cut those up. You know, and now he's eighty five years old and cut them two loads up and split them by hand. Hmm. And uh, my cousin happened to be talking to my my dad and. My dad's uh, the those wood splitters. They're they're made for baby baby men. Yeah. So you know he was the from all school boy. Right. What age was he cutting wood by hand? By tell. Ninety when he bought oh. the power saw. Unbelievable. Said, ninety. Okay. Till ninety years old, cutting <laughs> wood by hand. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Oh he. He yeah. You couldn't be lazy around him, boy. Oof. Yeah. In fact, he, at the, I got a camp there, and I was probably about 56, 57 years old, and uh, I was sh- raking, and he grabs a rake. He showed me how to rake. <laughs> you know, I'm like a little kid there. He, yeah. But he, he really knew how to, you know, make every move count, and he could, uh, he had a, a, when, he, when he got done raking, it looked beautiful. It was just He just had a knack, you know. Huh. The, 
I want to close out unless you have anything else no, you want to touch no. with. I want to close out with uh, when you started that air care business. He was 26 years old. Yeah, I kept, I kept yeah, saying 26. Yeah. When you were 26, did you have any idea that you would have run it this long? Or did you plan it? Was it a five-year business? Did you have a, a thought that it would turn into what it did? No, no, I, I really, I, I didn't. I guess I didn't. And, you know, it sneaks up on you just like retirement does, you know, like in my head when I, you know, it used to be 65, you know, and a lot of times I say, okay, I got 17 more years and pretty soon it's three years. Yeah. And it's, it's just a whips. It's hard to believe. Yeah. Crazy. Well, John, I, I appreciate you coming on and telling your story. It's fun to hear. Very good. We got a phone. Perfect yeah. timing. <laughs> Hey guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.